Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is a show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor David Butcher, your host today and lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. We're broadcasting from the incredibly beautiful city of Adelaide. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you today and for you to join us. This week, we've commenced a series entitled Mythbusters, Examining Non-Biblical Beliefs of the Christian World. This week, our focus is creation and the flood a fable. Is creation the flood a fable? And today we ask the specific question, could God have created the world by using evolution? Our co-host today is Pastor Gary. He normally sits where I'm currently sitting. Gary is the coordinator of the big Q&A drive time program here in Adelaide. He's also the pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right on the beautiful beaches there in Adelaide. Welcome, Gary. Thank you, David. It's fantastic uh, to be able to come and uh, come and join with you. I've got to admit, sitting in this other seat over here is making me just a little bit nervous. You wouldn't believe it. You know, this is like uh, teaching your, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say this, your children to, to drive when you're in the passenger seat. Right now, my hands are actually sweaty, and they're not normally sweaty when I'm doing this particular job. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's wonderful to have you in a driver's seat, David. Yeah, to give some context, I'm sitting behind all this incredible technology, and it's quite concerning. And you're sitting the other end of the mic on the other side of the table. So welcome, Gary. Now, this is a a very unusual situation for you to be sitting in as co-host. And uh, I don't know how much people know about you, Gary. Um, Oh, quite enough, actually, though. Quite enough. (laughs) We know you're a very tall man, uh, Pastor Gary, big Q&A. Tell us a little bit about your family and what you do to unwind from ministry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I, I'm actually married. I've got uh, three three grown children, three uh, three wonderful. I've got a, I've got a lovely wife and three uh, really fantastic uh, uh, children. Uh, two of the three children are, are now are now married, and uh, within just a month or two, I'm going to become a grandfather. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's exciting. Uh, that's very exciting. Grandfather for the first time. Now uh, you'd never know it by the colour of the uh, hair on my uh, on my head. I mean, it has well, gone. I think you'd be a great grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has gone a little bit great. Used to be uh, as black uh, as, uh, uh, as, uh, as the tyres on my car, but uh, unfortunately no longer. Well, I can relate to that. I, I am not a grandfather, but uh, I have some of that grey hair. Gary, um, you've shared a little bit about your family. What do you do when you're not reading, doing ministry, preaching on radio? What do you fill your time with in your personal life? Well, if, if you spoke to my wife, she'd probably say that's what I do in my uh, in my personal time. But uh, to me, the things I get a lot of fun out of is travel, either local. Uh, I used to love, you know, international travel. Uh, that that to me is something that's an incredible blessing. I actually really enjoy cooking as well. I, I actually and and really enjoy doing uh, uh, some uh, some chef stuff uh, in the in the kitchen. So uh, yeah, look, I 
I really, uh, I really enjoy being in the kitchen. I can resonate with that. We have a little bit more in common than just sitting here with headphones on and talking in front of microphones. We must share recipes at some point. We must. I find um, cooking a, a little bit of a stress relief, you know, being yeah, creative yeah, in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know at one point I actually spent uh, four or five years working in uh, uh, in catering, and uh, and that was uh, that was really fantastic. And I know that you know t- to this day, you know, I mean, I, I love making curries. I think they're you know they're really a, a beautiful a part of. The, I'm so thankful to our Indian uh, guys, our Indian uh, people who brought uh, curries and introduced Australians to curry. It's a beautiful uh, recipe. Uh, Gary, I don't know if we can do this, but I'm going to take the liberty. I might be caned for it later on, but I just want to invite our listeners out there that if you would like to receive a copy of one of Pastor Gary's favourite recipes, how's this, Gary? <laughs> if you'd like to receive a copy of uh, one of Pastor Gary's favourite recipes, please SMS our number 0488 880811. That's 0488 880811. Eight double one. You have put me on the spot now, David. That is uh, that is really something that uh, uh, I wasn't expecting, but uh, I do actually have one or two actually typed up. One or two people have actually requested it. Uh, I can actually give you my mum's Christmas cake too, if you'd like that one. That's a real beauty, that one. So uh, if you want one of Pastor Gary's recipes, text us in 0488-880-811. And uh, not only will you enjoy listening to Pastor Gary, but we pray and hope that you'll enjoy his recipe. Thank you, David. Now, Pastor Pastor Gary, oh, this is a bit of power sitting here, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Gary, we want to come to our World Watch segment, and um, religious freedom is continually becoming a, a greater um, talking point uh, for Christianity and for faithful stop, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, David, I, I, I'm really conscious that uh, increasingly uh, what we're finding is that uh, religious liberty, particularly in the Western countries, uh, is really uh, becoming... Uh, coming under threat at, at this particular point in time. Yeah. It, it really is, and, and it's no different here in Australia. In uh, 2019, the uh, federal um, government, the current government, Scott Morrison, promised to take after, uh, he took it to the last election actually, to uh, put in a protection for religious freedoms. Yeah. And yeah. this followed uh, something that had previously taken place, the Ruddock Review, which um, he de- uh, uh, Phil Ruddock delivered his review in uh, 2018, and um, the bill was designed to ensure that the activities consistent with the sincere beliefs of religious Australians would be protected from discrimination. Mm. And uh, the Prime Minister promised that was part of his um, election pledge in 2019, and it hasn't yet come through. There have been a number of things that have happened, obviously. But uh, one of the things that a number of Christian churches are doing, and, and faith-based, not just Christians, but Jews and Muslims as well, is taking part in a special weekend coming up. It's uh, June 11 to 13 of this mm-hmm. year, June 11 to 13, and it's called Religious Freedom Weekend. Religious Freedom Weekend. And it's a weekend where... Um, uh, People of all faiths that, that are part of this, and you could be Baptist, Uniting, Anglican, Seventh-day Adventist, whatever it may be, uh, Jewish or Muslim, um, all people of faith are being encouraged to uh, yeah, talk about this, preach about this topic of religious freedom, and, and encourage um, uh, their followers, the people that come to the churches, the synagogues, the mosques, to 
engage in discussion with their parliamentarians because mm. the parliamentarians are there to to represent Christians and 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 Jews and Muslims and and whoever everyone they're designed to yeah. represent. Yeah. And uh, we want to bring before people the importance of religious freedom. Gary, you have some practical examples of yeah, things look, that are David, happening. Look, in this space. this is actually coming across my desk more and more frequently. In fact, just today I had Family Voice Australia. They uh, uh, they sent me their most recent newsletter, and uh, I'm just so conscious that what they are sharing and many others uh, are sharing uh, has to be of concern to any person who actually has a uh, religious uh, religious beliefs. Now, just just let me just share this uh, uh, this with you. Uh, two years ago, in 2019, a teacher, Rachel Colvin, sued the Ballarat uh, Christian College for discrimination because she did not agree with its view that marriage can only be between a man and a woman. Now, this is a practical example of something that has actually taken place. Parents send their children to this Bible-based school because they expect Christian schools and their staff to uphold the Christian view of marriage. But Colvin resigned because she supported same-sex marriage and wanted to teach her view. She sued the school under the Victorian Equal Opportunity Act. Now, that's here in Australia. This isn't isn't international. Uh, The case was eventually settled in March last year. The school retains its statement of faith, defining marriage as a union between a man and a woman, but it had to pay an undisclosed amount to Rachel O'Colvin and give her positive employment reference. The legal battle was stressful, said the college principal. Our college provides high-quality Christian education in accordance with our beliefs. The claim has taken an enormous amount of time and resources already, detracting from the ability of a small school like ours to focus on what is important, the education of our students. But now... The newsletter goes on. There's a new case of religious freedom under attack. This time it's in the UK, in a UK Christian school. In June 2018, I can't believe this one. This this actually blew my mind. In June 2018, Trent College in Nottingham uh, invited the leader of an LGBT activist group, Educate and Celebrate, to conduct staff training. The college, uh, founded to educate children according to the Protestant and evangelical principles of the Church of England wanted to Im- uh, to embed gender, gender identity and sexual orientation into the fabric of their school from their earliest preschool years. During the training session, staff were encouraged to chant uh, to chant the words smash heteronormativity, that is, to reject any idea that heterosexuality is in fact normative. Mm. A number of people, a number of pupils were concerned about the school's new teaching. They asked the chaplain, the Reverend uh, Randall, whether they had to agree with it. Dr. Randall's job description states that he is to be a particular voice and embodiment of Christian values which are at the heart of Trinity's uh, Trent's ethos. So, amongst other things, in his next sermon, he said that when ideologies compete, we should not descend into abuse. We should respect the beliefs of others, even when we disagree. He added, no one should be told they must accept an ideology. Love the person, even where you profoundly dislike the ideas. 
He said that as same-sex attracted people and those struggling with gender dysphoria should not be discriminated against. They are made in the image of God. But he also said you do not have to accept the ideas and ideologies of LGBT activists where they are in conflict with Christian values. Would you believe it? For this sermon... The college board suspended him, referred him to a counter-terrorist organisation as a potential violent extremist and to the local child protection authority as a danger to children. Mm. I kid you not. Dr. Randall was reinstated after appealing the school's governor to the school's governors, but was ultimately made redundant five months ago after his hours were drastically reduced. He has no income to support his family. He is now suing the college for unfair dismissal, supported by the Christian concerned in the UK. You know, David, these sorts of stories, to me, when I read them, I sort of say, hey, these are absolutely horrendous that uh, there are some beliefs which are acceptable and there are other beliefs which are totally unacceptable. And yet, supposedly, we live in a very democratic society. And I think, Gary, what you've highlighted here in these actual stories, one of them in, in, in Victoria, in our very own country, is the fact that religious protections and religious freedoms in this country are very, very weak. They are. And this they is are. what the Ruddock Review has highlighted. Um, people suffer all over the world for their faith, but even here, uh, religious protections are very weak and very faintly protected. You've highlighted um, the fact of faith-based schools being able to uh, employ uh, the importance of being able to employ people with a similar ethos to them. That is being eroded. So important. Uh, the other thing to note here is that in Victoria this year, in February this year, a, a bill was uh, passed called the Change or Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill. Mm. Now, I guess there are certain things we would be comfortable in this bill, you know, some really radical practices people have tried to 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 uh, suppress people's identities, etc. But there are a lot of things that as Christians, I believe we cannot agree with. Yes, that's right. In fact, if, if someone, it seems to be, if someone would come to you as a, as a minister of religion or even as a parent, a child comes to you and says, look, I'm not sure about my, my gender identity. Can you pray for me? Even if they ask you to pray, you would be breaking this law when it comes into effect next February. Yeah, and, and to me, this is, this is a real disgrace. This is a real disgrace. And this is something that I just, I just hope and pray that there's a few people that do some praying. Uh, because this is something that I don't believe this law can be allowed to stand. Look, absolutely. And so we would encourage, uh, uh, people of all faith on uh, June 11 to 13 to be part of the Religious Freedom Weekend. If you want to find out more about this, go to their website, the Religious Freedom Weekend website, www.religiousfreedomweekend.com.au. That's www.religiousfreedomweekend.com. Yeah, that's, really a, important. that's a really important website and it's really something that I hope every church does actually pick up on because it is so important uh, that we look at the issues of religious liberty, we do actually share on those issues and we become really cognizant uh, of what is actually impacting our, our world and our society and our churches right now. And to write to our parliamentarians and maybe even meet with them and ask them where their views are. Yeah, yeah. Now some of them might be a bit hesitant to share their views. Well if they're hesitant to share they should do that publicly so people know who they can vote for. Exactly, exactly. Gary, uh, we need to go to a song. We're going to go to the Heritage Singers' No More Night.
and heaven will pass away. It's not a dream. God will make all things new. That day, gone is the curse from which I stumbled and fell. Even is banished to eternal hell. No more night, no more
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor David. Today our co-host is Pastor Gary. Gary is the coordinator and founding host of our Big Questions Drive Time program in South Australia. But before we get into the Bible discussion this afternoon, we have a free giveaway that we'd like to invite you to uh, respond to and we will get that sent to you. It's called Creation and Evolution by Dwight K. Nelson. It's a thoughtful look at the evidence that a master designer created our planet. So the giveaway is creation and evolution, a thoughtful look at the evidence that a master designer created our planet by Dwight K. Nelson. If you'd like a copy of that free giveaway book, please text us on 0488 880811. And also, if you've uh, been listening, you can text in and ask for Pastor Gary's recipe. He loves cooking, and you can send a message in on that, and uh, we'll get that recipe to you as well. Our theme this week is creation, is creation and the flood a fable? And so today we ask, could God have created the world by using evolution? Now, this might seem... Um, uh, diametrically opposed to many Christians. In fact, though, theistic evolution is essentially man's attempt to harmonize the Bible and evolutionary theory. It's a kind of halfway house, if you like, a middle point between atheism and the settled faith of those honoring God as creator. So it's it's trying to marry the two together, if you like. It's a philosophy which says there is a God And he is the creator, but he does use evolution as his tool or method. So essentially, theistic evolutionists think the Bible tells us who created the world, and that is God, and also how he created it, and that is through evolution. So, uh, Pastor Gary, um, how does this rest with you? Um, Is creation and the flood of fable, that's our theme for the week, but could God have created the world by using evolution? Tell us. Yeah, David, look, um, a lot of people don't actually realise how pervasive uh, this belief has actually become. Uh, This goes by the title of theistic evolution. Now, uh, most people are familiar with the thing that is called atheistic Evolution. Now, atheistic evolution, of course, is the belief that uh, God uh, was not involved, there was no involvement, that there is no God, but that things evolved over a long period of time. Theistic evolution is this belief that you've just expressed. And to me, it's an, it's an incredibly uh, significant belief because it's being adopted by more and more Christians. Uh, theistic evolution says that God uh, was actually the creator, but the method by which he created was through the process of evolution. Now, a lot of people don't actually realize that actually churches have formally adopted uh, this particular belief. In fact, I, I read at one particular occasion a really uh, interesting story. It, uh, it was in one of the uh, magazines that I, that I do frequent and uh, it started like this. It was a lecturer at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology was speaking. And this is what he said. He said, he looked really uneasy. I'd just finished giving my first lecture at the MIT's freshman astronomy course. But one student stayed behind in my classroom. He nervously explained that although he liked the subject, he was worried that my teaching conflicted with his religion. 
I asked him what his religion was. And when I told him that that particular religion had officially declared that there was no conflict between religion and evolution, it was as though his, his, it was as though he, a huge weight just fell off his back at that particular point in time. You see, what um, this professor had come to realize was that while many individual Christians are still creationists, they believe in a God who has created the, the world, that actually many of the organizations that they, uh, that, that they worship at have actually moved away from that particular teaching. As a result, this, uh, this professor actually did a thing called the uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's MIT, Survey on Science, Religion and Origins. Now, David, this is actually available online. So if people want to get a copy of it, they can pick it up online. Just type in MIT Survey on Science, Religion and Origins. And what this professor did was simply go into the official documentation of all the major world religions and document where they stood as far as this subject of creation and evolution uh, was concerned. So he's made up a whole listing. So he's made up a whole listing, and that whole listing is available in one of the appendices of this particular survey. It's a significant, it's a really significant survey. And, you know, once again, that survey is the survey, MIT survey on science, religion, and origins, and you can pick it up online. It's one or two years, uh, years old now. But, the thing which he he is able to do now is when somebody in his uh, in his astronomy classes start to question him because he, he actually says in his article he said I was getting real I was really starting to struggle he said every single year he said I would be teaching a first year uh, class every year I knew that there would be some Christians there who would try to uh, challenge me uh, every year I had to give the same answers and every year uh, I was facing the same problem and I found that the very best response is to simply say. That is not what your church teaches. Your denomination is, is this is what they've stated. Look here. Look is here. And, and he's actually got the documentation. So when they challenge him, his simple question to them is, uh, what denomination are you? And uh, he, uh, uh, they tell him, he pulls out the, uh, the necessary card and says, well, actually, this is what your denomination actually says. And the carpet's pulled out from underneath and the, the from out, Because that is what, and you know, David, the thing that really amazed me uh, when I was reading this particular documentation is that a good 70% of denominations now have adopted a belief that says God created the world through evolution. How, how do you react to that? This is really disturbing, isn't it? Because it's uh, it, it appears to be, doesn't it, a, a synthesis between uh, Christianity, creation and science, doesn't it? And um, this is really disarming what this particular lecturer has done. Uh, it, it, it takes away the argument from these first-year students that come to their class. It does. It, 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 it pulls the rug right from under them. But to me, I actually uh, have got more concern about what the churches have done in moving away from sound biblical teaching than what uh, he has actually done in researching that fact. Absolutely. And, and it sounds like... From from what you've uh, read there and shared with us, that uh, 
many uh, faithful church members going to church on a weekend uh, may not have any real insight into what their actual church teaches on this subject of creation. Exactly. And he actually got his information from the actual websites of the particular denomination. So all he did was, he went on for, he did go on. In fact, the Seventh-day Adventist is actually listed there. He went onto the Seventh-day Adventist website and said, ah, Seventh-day, and of course, Seventh-day Adventists are one of the few denominations that are actually, uh, believe in a, a six-day short earth, uh, creationist, uh, type of, type of worldview. And that's actually listed there. So, so Gary, we haven't, People listening from all over Australia to this program, this could be very disturbing for some, couldn't it? Yeah, and look, I'm I'm not here to. I don't want to have a have a go at you know or uh, or criticise other denominations. I'm not I'm not about doing that. But to me, I would just simply say, hey, this survey I found to be quite quite amazing. You know, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology survey on science, religion, and origins. It told me so much about where the religious world is actually at. Now, some people uh, uh, may not have any real challenges or or, or be concerned about um, uh, melding uh, theistic evolu- having theistic evolution that God is a creator, but he used evolution to to bring about the creation. They may not have any real issues with this, but where does this ultimately lead? What, what does it challenge us with? Yeah, look, David, I think this is, this is the thing which a lot of people have, have actually, a lot of Christians have actually not thought this through, uh, sufficiently because I just want to suggest to you that uh, the whole theistic evolutionary argument has actually got, uh, three or four major problems about it. You know, one of the people that I, you know, I tend to disagree with totally is, uh, is Richard Dawkins. But, uh, I, I, I can't find much that I can agree with him on. But, you know, there is one thing that he said in one of his, his lectures that I just really, I said, uh, Richard, you are, you are 100% correct. And stop, stop there, Gary. You are saying that there is something you agree with Richard Dawkins on, this militant atheist or a many militant people would... atheist. And, and you know, when he said it, in fact, I've got it at home because I, I've spoken a couple of times on this subject. And, uh, you know, yes, I do. I agree totally. And what he said was this. He said, um, if you are a theistic evolutionist, you are being totally inconsistent. He said, you can be one of two things. You can either be an atheistic evolutionists and say there is no God. There is no God. There is no God. Therefore, everything evolved. He said, if you say that, he said, you are being consistent. But, he said, uh, he said, or you can say, as the scripture says, that there is a God and that he created 6,000 years ago over a short time span. He said, you can say, and he mocked that actually. Uh, he said, uh, you can say that if you want to and if you, if you say that you're being consistent. But he said, the most inconsistent thing you can say is that God, uh, uh, started and, and, um, uh, started to create this world through the process of evolution. You see, what he said was this. He said, look, Christianity is based on a worldview that says, for example, that we believe in the supernatural. Christians across the board believe in the supernatural. Absolutely. We believe, for example, that, you know, God created, but we also believe in a thing called the virgin birth. 
And the resurrection. And the resurrection. And miracles. And a devil. And, you know, the list just keeps on going and going and going. You know, uh, the the worldview of Christianity is different to the secular worldview in one major, uh, major area. And that major area is that we believe there is a supernatural God who has impacted this world in numerous ways. Now, what uh, Richard Dawkins says, he says, hey, um, um, there are so many who are happy to say that they believe in miracles, or perhaps the virgin birth, or perhaps the, uh, or perhaps the resurrection, but they're not prepared to accept a short earth creationist viewpoint. He said, you are being, if in saying that you're being totally inconsistent, because a supernatural God who can, um, impregnate a lady, who can raise the dead, who can work miracles. Can speak the world into existence. Can speak the world into You have to be, and Richard Dawkins' point was that you have to be consistent within your worldview. And to me, when he said that, I thought, uh, Richard, I actually agree with you. That's telling, isn't it? And yet what you're saying is that so many um, faith organizations and, and denominations uh, have melded uh, this concept of evolution and, and Christianity together to come up with this theistic evolution, which obviously attacks the roots of so many other facets of what Christians believe. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. You know, one of the things that I suppose really uh, jumps out at me as well is uh, I, I really appreciate some of the research that some of the Barna organisation uh, does actually do. And uh, uh, they actually did some sur- surveys on the number of uh, Christians who have a biblical worldview. Now, a biblical worldview basically means that, hey, we understand this supernatural element, that uh, Christian Christianity has a supernatural element to it. We believe in uh, the... Uh, the virgin birth we believe in the resurrection we believe in the uh we believe in miracles we believe in creation predictive w- prophecy predictive prophecy all of that is something barna uh barna discovered though that amongst those people who listed themselves as born again christians uh, there was only 18% of people who actually had a biblical worldview and you know if I regard myself as a born-again Christian, these are self-identified. These are people who say, yes, I regard myself as a born-again Christian. And yet, when these questions are put uh, to them, you know, can you accept the supernatural elements of the uh, of the Christian worldview? And generally, the answer came back, well, no, I, I doubt at least, you know, at least some of them, uh, which means that they didn't actually... He said that Barna came back and said that no, only about eighteen percent from his research of of self-identified born again Christians actually have a biblical worldview. This is alarming, isn't it? It's it's dangerous because it does a number of things. One of these is that it attacks and undermines the scriptures. It does. Uh, what do you use as your basis? What do you use as your bedrock? Yes. Yes. It, it's almost a pick and choose. You're in the lolly shop and you're choosing which lollies you want to put in a bag. And, and that, that is effectively what is actually occurring today. And that's the huge challenge that we're actually facing. Because uh, to me, uh, you know, if we're going to be biblical Christians, then surely uh, there's a case for us to simply say, hey, the scriptures are teaching. Therefore, I mean, uh, for example, I mean, when we talk about the supernatural resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is heart and core uh, to the Christian faith. And yet the thing that really stands out to me, David, is certainly in the, the reading that I'm doing, I'm seeing more and more, uh, particularly, uh, 
intellectual Christians who are who are saying, look, hey, that's something that you know I, I'm not sure I can accept the resurrection. I mean, that's the heart and the core of the whole Christian faith. Uh, you know, if the resurrection didn't happen, then as Paul says, pack up and go home. It's We're all, wasting it's our all time. In vain. It's all in vain. And look, what do you, what do these people do? You know, these, these, these Christians that, that hold to theistic evolution, what do they do with some of the statements we find in scripture? I mean, the apostle Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, he says, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. He's clearly referring here, uh, to Genesis 1, verse 3, when God commanded right there at the beginning, let there be light. That's it. That's it. And see, David, what's occurring is that, and, and that brings us actually to the very first issue that we've got to address. You see, there are some major biblical problems with this theistic, God-created-through-evolution uh, type view. And the first one is what it does to Scripture. You must undermine, you must start to cre- create the, the Scriptures as more of a parable, as a fable. Uh, what you've done is undermine the very basis of the Word of God, and therefore the Christian faith, and therefore the uh, the Christian faith. That, that, that's exactly right. But you know, David, there are some other um, issues uh, issues here as well that I think is you know really uh, really really key. Um, you know, if in fact I accept uh, the worldview that God created this earth through an evolutionary process, what does that do? For our view of God, because, you know, I'm so conscious, David, but what that then means is that God becomes the God of suffering. Because what it means is that God actually created this world through ceaseless eons using the process of the survival of the fittest. Uh, in other words, God has utilized suffering in order to create humanity. David, what does that say to you about what God is like? It tells us that we have a, a br- it would be a brutal God. Uh, essentially, uh, would a God use pain and death to carry out his design for making a perfect world? That's, uh, and that's exactly exactly the issue. See, the, 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 the Christian scriptures, what they do is they paint a picture of a God. God is love is probably the very foundation of all that we find in the Christian scriptures. Uh, we find that he is continually revealed as a person who has great care for the beings that he has created. You know, we are called sons and daughters of the invisible God. We are seen as being, uh, as being accepted by Jesus Christ. We have got a God who, according to the scriptures, is prepared to actually come and die for the salvation of humanity. I mean, that's what the scripture teaches, teaches. This is core, isn't it? And essentially the evolutionary process depends partially on destruction of the weak by the strong. And theistic evolution ultimately would make God responsible for all of this as compared with the biblical truth and the biblical concept of a perfect creation and then the subsequent fall of humanity into sin uh, and, that, and that is the very is, is the very next one that we that we do have to have to come to. But look, David, I'm wondering if we can come back to that after the break. We will. We're going to go to a break now, and we're going to be listening to Caleb and Kelsey because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor David. Today our co-host is Pastor Gary. Gary is the coordinator of our Big Q&A Drive Time team and pastor of the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, this week our theme is, Is Creation and the Flood a Fable? And today we're going to be continuing to address, Could God Have Created the World by Using Evolution? But before we go there, I want to promote again our free giveaway book, and if you want this book, text in 0488-880-811. The book is Creation and Evolution, A Thoughtful Look at the Evidence that a Master Designer Created Our Planet. It's written by Dwight K. Nelson, and he's an, an incredible author, very easy to understand. Creation and Evolution, A Thoughtful Look at the Evidence that a Master Designer Created Our Planet. Uh, and you can get this book by sending a message through to Zero four double eight double eight zero eight double one. Pastor Gary, 
Could God have created the world by using evolution? Continue. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank, uh, David. Thank you so much for this. You know, this is, this is a subject that I suppose I get just a little, a little bit passionate about. I think it, just, this just is, a bit. I think this, this is so key. Everything that um, it, this is something that has undermined so much of Christian uh, Christian theology. You know, I just uh, I just think you know, just coming back to where we were. You know, the way this undermines the character of God. Uh, I. I look at that and I could, I could weep when I, uh, when I understand, uh, what this does for the character of God. Um, you know, I, I think of, you know, Isaiah 53. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shearers is silent, he didn't open his mouth. He was taken from prison and, ju- you know, I, I read, uh, these passages talking about what, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the creator of heaven and earth, because that, is actually how he's described. You know, to me, I think many Christians don't actually realize uh, that in accepting this particular belief, what they are doing is denying Jesus Christ. Because what we actually have in the Gospel of uh, of John, uh, we have Christ is actually identified as the creator. And, you know, to me, that's incredibly powerful. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants us to worship him. We should only worship the creator. And I, I believe this, this, this belief, uh, adds value to what Satan through the serpent said in the Garden of Eden, casting doubt on God. How could you worship a God that is responsible for all this brutality that actually designed it like that? Uh, there's actually been a master swap around here. And you know, as, as I look at it, I say, hey, this is undermining the character of God because God, if in fact, theistic evolution were correct, and it's not, but if it were, it makes God responsible for all the eons of pain and suffering these beings have been through in to to get to where we are now to me as i look at the scriptures i say my god is not like that but you know david there's something else that to me is is equally important and that is that sin itself is actually misrepresented. You see, Scripture actually gives a, a, an amazing, amazing teaching. And to me, I believe it's an incredibly truthful teaching. And what it says is the wages of sin is what? Death. The wages of sin is death. Uh, now, you know, uh, if in fact uh, people uh, were created through evolution, it means that death itself is just something that happens naturally throughout the uh, throughout the eons it happens because that's the natural thing to happen um it's it it didn't come about because of sin whereas in actual fact the scriptures are very clear on this they're teaching that sin uh, that's death actually came about because of a thing called sin the death is not something that is natural. Uh, death is something that has come into this world. Sin, uh, death, is actually an intruder that has impacted our world uh, because of sin. Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is the last enemy to be defeated. That's it. It's an That's enemy. It. It, it, it was not intended to be in this world. And yet what I find is multitudes of Christians are prepared to accept this thing called theistic evolution that says God created through evolution. Well, then what about this thing called sin? Uh, I mean, we, death 
resulted because of sin according to the scriptures. It is not something that is just naturally occurring uh, throughout the ceaseless eons so of we, eternity. If we downplay sin, then we don't really need a saviour. And that is where this comes from, because that is the really key issue. If, in fact, sin, if death just came because of that's the way it happens, then in that case, sin is negated. If sin is negated, according to the scriptures, we don't need a saviour. The gospel has been totally undermined. So this is really insidious, isn't it? And we began with that story from MIT um, where the number of uh, Christian faiths uh, support theistic evolution. And uh, they they do, but the thing I'm so conscious of, David, is I don't think a lot of them have actually thought through the implications of supporting this theistic evolutionary Worldview. If they had thought it through, I doubt that certainly the majority of their church members would have been prepared to adopt it. Because this destroys the entire biblical worldview. This destroys the integrity of the scriptures. Uh, this enti- this, um, uh, this destroys what's called the meta-narrative or the big picture of scripture. You know, one of the things I really appreciate, David, is the way the scriptures actually appoint, uh, 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 paint a beautiful picture of what has actually happened. You know, within the scriptures, what we find is that right at the very beginning, we get this picture of a, of an earth created in perfection. It's it, it's created in a short time span. Yes, it's it's created through a supernatural God. But then sin comes in, and then through thousands of years we get sin multiplying. We get God trying desperately to find ways to resolve to to to, to lessen the impact of sin. At one point we get the flood. Mm. Uh, we find Jesus Christ. Are coming in our place. He sends the Holy Spirit that indeed we can be empowered to, to live righteous lives. He, I love the way at the end of the Bible, the first three chapters have talking about, spoken about perfection and the fall of man. The last three chapters talk about again a return to perfection and again a new heaven and a new earth is actually created. What you have in the Bible is an overarching picture that explains what is actually going on in this world. And you know, David, when I realized that, I realized that, hey, uh, the scriptures are saying something so important. It's something that we actually need to hear, something that we need to understand. This goes against everything that the Genesis account, uh, Genesis account says. I mean, at the end of each days of creation, God says it was good. That, that's uh, that's uh, exactly right. Um, everything, uh, the theistic evolutionary worldview goes against everything that Genesis says. It goes ev- against everything that um, uh, that that Paul says uh, because he had a good teaching on uh, on what sin actually was. He knew that death came as a result of sin. That's where it came from. He also knew that a redeemer was one who had been sent by by God to this world to deal with this issue of sin and suffering and heartache and disease. But if we say that sin and suffering and heartache and disease is just a natural thing that God utilised 
to um, to create the world, we've undermined, uh, undermined the entire story of the Christian scriptures. And why would we believe in a God? So, Gary, in the few minutes we have left, what would you like to, how would you pull all this together? What would you be saying? Oh, look, look, David, to me, there is an incredible need to come back to the Word of God. You know, to me, I'm just so conscious that, uh, you know, when uh, I read the Barna surveys, and there's a lot of them out there now, uh, who are repetitively saying exactly the same, uh, the same thing. Uh, To me, um, um, the only conclusion I can come to is that we have to call people to come back uh, to the Word of God. You know, David, I, I, I'm not even calling people to come to, to my particular church, but, you know, to find a Bible-believing church, uh, a church that does actually... And, and to me, I would actually ask some of the preachers some questions. Do they actually believe in the what Scriptures? And, and one of the questions I think that is really key to ask is, you know, what do you actually believe about creation. You know, do you believe, as the scriptures I believe rightly teach, that, uh, that a creation occurred, uh, over a short time span, a span of a week, uh, only a short time ago, some thousands of years ago, not millions of years ago. And to me, you know, the moment we move away from that particular position, what we've done is moved away from the word of God. We've moved away from the scriptures and we're actually standing on very dangerous ground. And beginning to erode that biblical worldview. Uh, this is, um, th- there is, theistic evolution is not a bridge between science and Christianity. And Richard Dawkins is 100% correct on this matter. You know, if in fact we are going to be consistent, then you can be an atheistic evolutionist, one who says there is no God. There is no God. And therefore, things just evolved. If you say that, you are being consistent. Or, you can say uh, with biblical Christians, the world, and he actually mocked the biblical Christians when he said that. He said, you can say that the world happened, uh, was created in one week, a few thousand years ago by some supernatural entity. And, you know, he waved his arms around as he, as he said that sort of thing. He said, but at least those people are being consistent. He said, the people who are, he said, I've got no time for uh, those people uh, who are actually uh, believing that God created the world uh, through evolution. He said it's a halfway house, it doesn't fit, and it's totally inconsistent. You cannot sit on the fence. Gary, this is critical. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, we just come before you. We want to thank you that we can trust the scriptures. They are the word of God, and Jesus is the living word. And and the written word is is given by God himself to us. We thank you that we can trust what the Bible says, that God is a God of love, that Jesus came to rescue us because we are lost in sin and we deserve to die. We thank you that when God created everything, it was good, it was perfect until humanity chose to fall. We know that Satan is ultimately responsible. Father, we want to pray for our listeners. May we go back to the Word of God and not just accept what science and and many Christian denominations may throw at us, but may we live and stand by the Word of God is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Well, our time is up for today, listeners. Thanks for joining Pastor David and Pastor Gary on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Helen Gray spend the entire time discussing did Jesus teach and believe in creation? Did Jesus believe it? We're really looking forward to you joining tomorrow. But until then, please remember Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. John fourteen twenty seven. may God richly bless you.